0: This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a five-part conversation with K2 Intelligence Fin on defining and building effective compliance programs. This podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Fin. In this conversation, I'm joined by Michelle Goodseer. Michelle is a managing director at K2 Intelligence FIN and has 25 years of financial crime compliance experience, which includes fraud, risk management, anti-bribery and corruption, corporate security investigation, sanctions, and AML program experience working with financial services industries and the U.S. government. She is a strong compliance professional with a focus on compliance program building, operations, analytics, and business intelligence. Prior to her role at K2 Intelligence Fin, Michelle served as Managing Director and Global Head of Anti-Bribery, Corruption, and Fraud for a European bank, where she was responsible for enterprise risk, bribery and corruption, fraud risk management, investigations, and whistleblowing programs. Joining Michelle is Gail Fuller. Gail is the Vice President at K2 Intelligence Fin. Gail focuses on developing, refining, and implementing K2 Intelligence Fin's quantitative and qualitative risk rating tools. She leads engagements focused on helping Fin's customers' jurisdictional and private clients understand their exposure to financial crimes risk and develop and implement strategies to mitigate those risks. Prior to joining K2 Intelligence Fin, Gail spent eight years in federal government service focusing on combating illicit finance. In her most recent position at the Treasury Department, she deepened her experience in topics such as global AML, CFT standards, illicit financial topologies, global sanctions regimes, and intersection between illicit finance and national security threats. In this part three, Michelle Goodsir returns to talk about compliance on a budget. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today, Michelle Goodser joins me again, and we're going to take up the extraordinarily uh, timely topic of compliance on a budget solutions for entities of all sizes. First of all, Michelle, welcome back.
1: Hi, Tom. Thank you. Great to be back talking with you again.
0: Uh, Michelle, not only are we in a COVID-19 health crisis, but we are in a economic downturn, dislocation, or other event that could be as serious as one we have seen in many, many years, uh, both uh, domestically and internationally. So, Uh, With compliance budgets having been stretched for quite some time, they may go to a new level of stretchedness, if I can use that word. How can uh, compliance practitioners, compliance professionals, chief compliance officers, and indeed organizations uh, make the most of their compliance budget at this point in time?
1: So, Tom, I'm glad that you asked me this question. I I think it's an extremely important and timely topic. Uh, given what's happening in the world today, and and we actually did touch on this during a prior episode, and we talked about how critical it is to be able to leverage teams and skill sets for for broader compliance purposes, particularly in a in a cost restrained environment. And I'll explain a little bit about what I mean. And it, I think an effective compliance program utilizes its existing resources to support similar needs and broader goals. And recently, we've published some information about leveraging AML tools to support an ABC program. And so some of the tools that are regularly used for anti-money laundering uh, programs involve case management tools, and those tools are used to process alerts on a a day-to-day basis. But there's also opportunity to customize case management tools to support other types of compliance programs, and some that may be less operational. However, they have a need to track the work that they're doing and the decisions that they're taking. So this type of tool can be effective uh, for doing that. Data analytics is also very popular these days and and using data to produce different types of metrics reporting. And also those same tools can actually be used as monitoring tools, which is a cost-effective way to implement a monitoring capability um, compared to some other other, uh, capabilities that are available in the market. I also want to talk a little bit about utilities because that's a bit of a buzzword in the industry over the, the last year or so. And I do think that resources can certainly be leveraged as a utility for various types of compliance purposes. And you hear about utilities for um, FIU, for example, around AML and reviewing transactions and and filing suspicious activity reports. And certainly, that's a great use case for a utility. But I would also argue that not only can a utility be used for AML purposes, but so much of my comments around case management, I think, can also be used for Uh, processing alerts involving sanction screening and alerts involving anti-bribery and corruption as well, because a lot of the same tools and lists are being used for for these purposes. Um, Utility teams can also be set up for due diligence purposes. So you could have a a consolidated team that supports client onboarding. It can also support third-party due diligence and even vendor due diligence, because some of the, the underlying processes and tools that are used for that type of due diligence are are fairly similar. And finally, I, I would say, in just kind of closing out the thought on utilities and, and centralized pooling of resources, I've also seen this uh, be fairly successful in a number of large financial institutions, and I can say smaller ones as well, for developing risk assessments where you have a, a centralized pool of resources that are responsible for developing risk assessment questionnaires. Uh, rolling them out to the businesses for completion, and also collecting data to support the risk assessment process. So there there are a number of things that can be done in thinking about how you use your resources a bit differently and, and maybe thinking about them more broadly than within a particular program silo. So what about
0: uh, focusing on tech solutions, technological solutions in the uh, anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance space? This is something the Department of Justice has continually talked about on tech solutions. Is that true for your client base as well, Michelle?
1: Yes, definitely. I'm glad you actually asked me about technology because I'm I'm a huge believer that technology is so critical to have a strong compliance program. And and certainly, you know, the guidance that's been produced by the DOJ specifically articulates that. But but I'd say in my experience as a prior compliance officer, but also as a consultant, we're certainly seeing that the regulators expect there to be use of technology in these programs. And so I'd say specific to anti-bribery and corruption, my experience has been that those compliance programs tend to be less focused on technology and more focused on policy administration and policy policy guidance. And I do think that there's an opportunity to use tools that are in the market to support those programs. And and I spoke a, a moment ago about case management and I think this is a great example where a tool that is tend to be used for investigations and for alert Transaction, transactional alert reviews can be used to for to support an ABC program. So, um, to give you some examples, documenting escalations that are submitted to an anti-bribery and corruption team around transactional due diligence, um, around uh, tech potential connected hirings. These are all different types of escalations that an anti bribery and corruption team will receive. They provide advisory on those types of escalations, and they also decision and, and provide guidance and, in some cases, even put conditions around with certain things can happen or, or a, a deal or transaction can go forward. So, a lot of this tends to be documented in email traffic or in uh, shared folders or shared drives, but it doesn't create a a repository of of institutional history. So when people come and go, that that there's a repository or a database for collecting that information. So I think it's important to be able to use those type of tools to, to keep that type of information within the organization. And years down the road, as that compliance team has changed and new people have come in, you have some legacy information and historical data that can be leveraged. I also think some of the tools that are available in the market for reporting metrics and volume metrics and risk indicators are great tools that can be used for an ABC program. Uh, I also think that they can be implemented, some of the data analytics tools can be implemented to support monitoring needs of an anti-bribery and corruption program. And it's a more cost-effective way of of doing that. I I also want to say, too, that I'm sure what I'm saying can sound extremely costly for Smaller financial institutions um, and that they may not be able to afford this. And I I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And I certainly don't want to give that impression because I actually think that smaller organizations with less of a global footprint have an advantage when it comes to implementing some of these tools. Because they can use them more broadly, um, bringing in a case management tool or a screening tool that can cover multiple types of financial crime risk and screening requirements that are that are needed to to effectively manage their risk. And I also think that they tend to have fewer databases. So it's a, a bit easier to draw the information and data that's needed to feed the, the screening tools and, and, the, and the processing engines that are used within these financial crime compliance programs and also to normalize the data as well. So to, in some regard, I, I think it's a little bit easier for technology to be leveraged for, for some of these smaller institutions than it is a, a broader global one.
0: Michelle, that's an extraordinarily interesting point. And the use of a technological or tech platform for an AML or an ABC, uh, task is really, in my experience, utilizing just a very small portion of the potential of that tech solution generally. And so broadening it out, uh, particularly in a small organization where you may have smaller databases, you may have less people, you may have a a smaller pool to draw from is certainly something that I don't think is getting enough discussion in the compliance space. So I guess I'd like to end by asking, does that message that you uh, just articulated really resonate with your client base or is that more of an ongoing kind of evangelism that you're having to do?
1: I think it's an ongoing evangelism. Actually, uh, I do think that I do think that people are starting to talk about it. And you go to some of the um, the, the industry conferences, for example, and you're more likely now to see topics about how do you bring some of these financial crime compliance programs together. How, what synergies are there between AML and fraud, for example? That was um, a, that was a topic uh, at a conference that I went to just within the last year. Um, But I but I think in practice, I think while people are starting to talk about it in practice, it's not happening as much as it could. And I think there are a lot of opportunities out there to to think more holistically. And it really comes down to the managers of those programs thinking outside of their program and talking to some of the other managers who are, are responsible for some of these other financial crime compliance programs and thinking about how some of the tools and capabilities can be more broadly used and, and stepping back in terms of, of ownership and thinking more holistically about the, the good of the organization and the benefit to the organization.
0: Michelle, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I hope our listeners will join us tomorrow. We're we're going to be joined by Gail Fuller, and we're going to look at some ongoing compliance issues specifically around training and culture. Michelle, I wanted to thank you so much, and I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation again.
1: Tom, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it.
0: I would like to thank you for joining this episode of my conversation with K2 Intelligence Fin, defining and building effective compliance programs. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. This podcast series is sponsored by K Two Intelligence Fin and is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.